Hello, my name's Christiana, and welcome to the Oceanside Community Church Podcast. We're a church in Parksville on Vancouver Island with a vision to be fully devoted children of God, fully mature in Jesus Christ, and fully alive with the Holy Spirit. We welcome you to join us weekly on this journey. For more information about our church, visit our website at oceansidecommunitychurch.ca or download our mobile app. We pray that you'll be blessed and equipped by today's teaching. We're going to take a moment here and collectively pray together. We believe in prayer as a family. Amen. We believe in prayer as a community. Amen. As we speak to the Lord, He hears. As we cast our burdens towards Him, He cares for us. That He is a good Father who gives good gifts to His children. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul gives us a bit of a structure of prayer to the church of Thessalonica. He says in chapter 5, to rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we're going to take that structure and pray together. The first one is to rejoice always, which is a celebration, which is a declaration, so we can celebrate his goodness and his holiness, declare his nature and his character. We can rejoice in salvation and grace and mercy and right standing through Jesus. So we're just going to take a moment. And in your own words, let's just rejoice. Verbally out loud in your heart, let's rejoice to the Lord together. Paul also says to pray continually, to bring our requests before the Lord, our circumstances and needs. We can make the request for more wisdom, for more knowledge, for more grace and peace. We can pray for the requests of our family, for boldness in our faith. We can pray for more faith. We can pray for an increase in hope. So let's take a moment and pray and bring these requests before the Lord. And then he says to give thanks in all circumstances. To thank God for his provisions. To thank God for his leadings. His care, that he listens, that he is near. We can thank the Lord for our health. Thank the Lord for our church. To thank the Lord for our community, our jobs, our country. And in all circumstances, he said, so no matter what your circumstance may be, Maybe it's desirable or maybe it's dire. In all circumstances, through his grace, we can give thanks. So let's take a moment and give thanks. Jesus, we rejoice 
in salvation through you. We declare that you are the one true king. That who came to seek and save the lost, to renew our right standing, to give us a new identity as a child of God. We rejoice and declare who you are and in your goodness in our lives. Jesus, would you increase our hope and our faith and our belief and our love in you? Would you increase our grace and our peace to ourselves and towards others? And Lord, we're so grateful. Grateful for the, the country we live in. Grateful for the families that we are a part of. Grateful for this beautiful and wonderful church that you've drawn us to. For this community. Lord, we're so thankful for your provisions in our lives. And Spirit, would you remind us to take this pattern of prayer, these words from Paul, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Because as we do so, we are walking in your will. And what a pleasing and perfect will you have for us. We love you, Lord. We ask your blessing upon the remainder of this service as we look into your word. Spirit, would you challenge and convict us? Would you encourage and edify as we listen together and heed your teachings this morning. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may take a seat. <clears throat> Can we say thank you to our worship team this morning serving us and those who are on the computers and sounds? Thank you. Welcome to those who are online. Glad you could join us as well this morning or at whichever time you are watching. Scripture passage for this morning is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. It says this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Amen? Amen. A heavenly city. Heavenly city that we too one day, that we too are looking forward to. Amen? Amen. Well, today's message, again, we're continuing on in our series, Faith Is, and I have titled this message, Faith Is Obedience. And we are looking at the life and the example of Father Abraham. We're actually going to take two weeks to look at his life and him and Sarah specifically, and their son Isaac, what Paul will look to next week as well. But we're going to begin with um, Abraham's call that he received from the Lord. Now, Abraham, he was an important figure in Scripture. He's an important figure in the Pentateuch, the father Abraham, right? He is the one in which the blessings that God proclaimed, the covenant to Abraham and his line, the seed of Abraham in which the blessing of God is going to follow. So father Abraham, the, the patriarch, the the. the pure example and role model for the covenant community of the faith that he exercised and the obedience that he exhibited. Now, he was originally called Abram, but for like my own personal sanity's sake, we're just going to call him Abraham for this morning, because if I said we're going to go through Abram, I know I would make the mistake, and so to eliminate confusion, we're all good, then I'm just going to say Abraham, and we're okay with that? Yes, wonderful. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> So Abraham, his meaning is a combination, actually, of a noun and a verb. The noun as father, and the verb is to be high or to be exalted. So the exalted father. Father Abraham. So I, I have this story that I need to share before we get into this scripture passage. A couple of weeks ago, my family and I, we went up to 100 Mile just like northeast of 100 Mile for a family reunion, and we had the memorial for my grandfather. 
and we packed up the car here at Nanus Bay, and we live in Chilliwack, and so we actually took the drive there in a two-day trip. So we went from here to Chilliwack, grabbed all of our camping gear, because our family reunions, we do it outside and we camp. Uh, so we had to get all our camping gear, and then we took the drive from Chilliwack to just north of 100 Mile. So we have Seth, who is eight, and Simeon, who is five. And Simeon, we told him we're going camping with the Briscoe family, and we're having a family reunion, and great-grandpa, we're doing his memorial. So we told him this information. But Simeon being five and a child, they often forget, right? But he was such a good boy. Like, I remember the day that we left, we packed the car, and he, we tell him to pack his bag. So he just goes and he packs his little suitcase. And then we tell him to get into the car. So he just gets into the car. And as we're driving towards the ferry, he asks, are we going to Nana and Papa's house? Which was not where we're going. We're go Nana and Papa is Rebecca's parents. And so he was faithful in his packing and faithful in getting into the car and getting his shoes on and buckling up, and yet he had absolutely no idea where he was going. We took the ferry, we get to our place, and he's like, wait, why are we at our place? Completely confused where he is at at all times. So we sleep over at our place, we get the camping gear, we load the car, we say, okay, get into the car. He gets into the car. We're about an hour drive into the car. And he said, how come we're not at the ferries yet? How come we're not at Nana and Papa's yet? Well, no, no, we're not going to the ferries. We came from the ferries yesterday, which is totally different than what usually happens for us. We're usually going towards the ferries. But we're going away from it. So he's confused. We get up near 100 Mile, and he said, this doesn't look like Nana and Papa's place at all. And we're like, Simeon, we told you already. We are not going to Nana and Papa's place. But what was so funny to me in, in the you know, personal reading of Scripture and preparing for my messages my thought was, he's just like Abraham. Like, he has no clue where he is going, right? In this scripture passage, in verse 8 of chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow. What childlike faith. Of Father Abraham to listen to his father, just like Simeon, to strap on his shoes, to put on his seatbelt, to pack his bags, and to go really having no clue where he is going. And we talked a bit about this last week where faith, faith is often a, a step, in this case, of obedience even prior to that of a full promise or a full sign that God would give us. So often in our faith, we think, God, show us a sign. Tell me something that I need to hear. Show me your way. And if you prove yourself, then I'm going to follow. But faith is often that step of trust, that step of obedience, even without fully knowing where you're going. So faith is obedience is the title of my message, and my first point of the message is call. Abraham was called to go, called to go to the land that he would receive later as an inheritance, but at this time he did not know where he was going. So in Genesis chapter 12, this is the call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That is a significant call, but also a vague one, <laughs> right? But also a vague one. Go to the land. Just go. Where's the destination? In due time, I will tell you. What direction? That direction. Specifically, in due time, I will tell you. Just go. And so Abraham was called to go. No direction specific. No destination specific. And Abraham obeyed and went. You know the age of Abraham at this time when God called him to go? 75 years old. <laughs> Could you imagine at 75 years old, hearing the voice of the Lord, turning to your wife, Sarah, or whatever your wife's name is, or spouse's name is, and saying, so the Lord has called us to go. Well, where are we going? See, here's the thing. 
I don't actually know the specific destination except this land that we are going to. This land, if you know the, the geography from where he is in, in the city of Ur, in the land of Haran, they're going to um, Canaan, the land of Canaan, which is about 700 kilometers away. And they're walking. They are to pick up all of their possessions, their tents, their livelihoods, their livestock, their servants. His nephew Lot joined along with them, and they began their march. And began in hope and in faith and obedience that God had called them. And they are faithful to the call that God has placed on their life. It reminds me, actually, of when Jesus called his disciples in Mark chapter 1. He sees Andrew and Peter, and then he sees the brothers, James and John, and he says to Andrew and Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Mark 1 records, it says that Andrew and Peter immediately dropped their nets and followed. Abraham, yes, he picked up his possessions and went, but there was this immediacy, this, I just have to give up what I'm doing in this moment and heed the call of God and follow him. Faith is obedience to what God is calling you to. And sometimes it's submission before we receive a sign. Sometimes it's obedience before we're given the opportunity. And here's my little rhyme for you this morning. He's not calling you to know. He's calling you to go. God called Abraham. And he calls us. And we all know when God calls us, he makes the path straight and easy, right? We know that if there is a call of God in our lives, it's simple, it's clear, it's straightforward every time, and easy, right? Mm, Nuh-uh, not at all. Not in Abraham's life and not in our life. My second point is cost. God called Abraham, but there was a cost to this call. Hebrews 11, it says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. I, I still tent with my family. When we went to our family reunion, we still put up a tent and had a good time of the four of us in our tent. The rest of my family all have trailers. <laughs> All of them, aunts and uncles, my father, my stepmother, all of them, they have trailers. And they all said, oh, the days are done where we're camping in tents. Anybody can say amen to that, right? Those days are long past. Well, here's 75-year-old Abraham with Sarah and his nephew and their family in tents. There's a cost to it. Now, that's a, that's a fun, simple cost that I'm joking around with. But there was a true cost to the call that God placed on Abraham's life. It says, go from your country. Go from your people. And go from your father's household. So he left the country of Haran. He left the prosperous city of Ur. And he went to the land of Canaan. He left his people. You know those people in your life that are just your people your community, your culture, your sense of, of welcome, your sense of belonging, he left. And he also gave up his family's household, his father's household, the security that he would have, the sense of, of identity, the sense of placement. He gave up all of it to follow the call of God in his life. There's a cost to following Jesus. And I believe so many struggle in their faith today because they were not forewarned that there is a cost to following Jesus. Because there's not a cost to our obedience. Now, the gift is free, but it came at a great cost. And in our faithfulness and obedience to follow Jesus, there is a cost in our lives that we are to give up our lives, to lose our lives to find it through Jesus. So there's a cost. So they set off, and we think things are going to be easy, but they're really not for Abraham. There's some real 
dysfunctional family matters that take place in the story of Abraham. It's only 12 chapters in the book of Genesis. I encourage you to read through it this week because we're going to do part two next week. And immediately right after, as they set up to leave, it says Abraham obeyed and went and they got to the land. But there was family matters that got into place. There was war and famine that took place in the land. And so on their journey, Abraham and the whole crew diverted and went south to Egypt because they were hungry and they were afraid that they were not going to be fed. So they go to Egypt. So they get to Egypt. There's more food there. But Pharaoh and his officials see Sarah that she is beautiful. And in fear, Abraham does what? He lies. He says, this is not my wife. This is my sister which is a half-truth, half-lie, but we're going to stick with the lie part because it's still a lie. And so he says, this is my sister. And so they take Sarah to Pharaoh. Pharaoh takes her, and then God threatens and brings down plagues on Egypt. And he's like, wait, hold on, what's going on? And he accuses Abraham, and Abraham tells the truth. And so even in that moment, even in that moment, after the promises and the call in his life, Abraham is defending himself rather than depending on God. And he almost immediately ruins God's plan in Abraham's life. He retrieves Sarah back. God saves them. They're deported out of Egypt, and they continue on in their journey. We see later on in their journey, his nephew Lot and him, they get into a family fight. And all the herdsmen and the servants, and they're grumbling and complaining about land and livestock and produce. And so they have to come to a place of separation. Lot takes one side. Abraham takes the other side. So they separate. There's family dysfunction going on. Then there's this kind of random story, which I absolutely love, not in the sense of what took place for Lot and his family, but they got into a place of war and chaos. And so Abraham, in the middle of the night, gets some mighty men. And he goes and he saves his nephew and who they just had a feud with. And he saves him and the children and the women. And there's family dysfunction that goes on. May I take it a step further? God promised Abraham these blessings. The, the noun and the verb of his name, Father Abraham. Yet at this time, he was not a father. He had no children. And this promise that they believed and held on to, but it had been, I think, about 11 years now by this time. And no fulfillment to the promise yet. And so Sarah, his wife, says, please sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. And so he did. And she had a son. And in return, Sarah became unkind and jealous and quite rude. And again, Abraham and Sarah are defending themselves rather than depending on God. Oh, the path of obedience is full of difficulty, of dire situations. The path of obedience is full of dysfunction and a cost. Does it sound a bit like your path at all? <laughs> like your path of obedience is like this rather than like this. Days and seasons of peace and goodness and then days and seasons of difficulty and dysfunction. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be, God. Like, why is it so hard for me and it seems so simple and easy for them? Faithful obedience isn't doing everything right when everything is right. Faithful obedience is commitment in the face of questioning and adversity. Faith is obedience, but it must overcome adversity for it to be that resolute confidence. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, that, that resolute confidence we talked about, faith is confidence in what we hope for, certain in what we do not see. And these are the things the ancients were commended for. I believe the ancients were commended for it because they were obedient and they fought and they were faithful even in extremely difficult circumstances. They weren't perfect, 
but they were faithful and obedient in extremely difficult circumstances. God called Abraham. There was a cost to that call. And then lastly, there's a covenant that God makes with Abraham. I'm going to invite the the team back up here. Because there's times where we question God's certainty. We question his plan. We question why me? Why is my situation like this? Is this the way that you had planned it? Is it going this way because of my fault? And there's truth to that, to sin, but there's also the truth that grace is alive and well because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so we have these fears in the midst of faith. We have these doubts, this dysfunction in our time, in our journey with the Lord. And so we question God's plan. And if you've ever found yourself at a place where you've questioned God's plan, where you've questioned his purpose, why me, why this situation, why this circumstance, can I tell you, you're in great company. (laughs) You are in great company. Father Abraham, the commended ancient of faith, a covenant God made with him. And if you read specifically chapter 15 of Genesis, it's a a unique chapter where this covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant established of blessing and the seed of his line is the the family line that God's going to bring his blessing and eventually his son and savior into the world. It comes at an extremely dark moment for Abraham. An extremely difficult time for Abraham. Remember the promises that God made at the beginning of of the Abraham story. It says, I will make you into a great nation. Your name will be great. You will be a blessing. People will be blessed through you. To your offspring I give you this land. And in chapter 15, this covenant is made with Abraham. And it says, the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. It says, do not be afraid. Abraham was afraid. It says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abraham said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? And he questions God. God, are you certain that you actually mean what you said? What can you give me? And he says, oh, sovereign Lord, how will I know that I will gain possession of it? He asks the Lord two questions. Lord, what will you give me? Well, I've already told you what I'm going to give you. And so he doubts his promises. How will I know that I have gained possession of the land? And he comes before the Lord questioning. He comes before the Lord in doubt. And it says specifically in verse 13 of chapter 15, it says, a thick, dreadful darkness came over Abraham. Thick, dreadful darkness of depression came over the ancient faith. The one that we look to and commended his faith and his obedience, and yet he was in this deep, dark place. And I think so often in our own lives, we think experiences we've gone through, maybe emotions that we've had, can disqualify us from God. We think we, our lack of obedience or our lack of faith can completely disqualify and nullify us from the blessings of God. Now, sin can remove us or distract us from the blessings of God. But Christ is greater than our sins. And the call that we have received from Christ in our faithful journey, not perfect, but obedient, can keep us in line with God's blessings in our life and on this earth. And so the Lord, what he does in in Abraham's questioning is he affirms his promises, is what he does. He makes his personal covenant with Abraham and he reaffirms his promises. To your descendants, I will give this land. Amid darkness, amidst doubt and pain and struggle, God reaffirms his promises to Abraham. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Church, can I tell you that we too have been called like Abraham? We too have been called 
to follow Jesus. We too have a cost in our discipleship and our faith journey, as did Abraham. There will be seasons. There will be seasons of spring and summer, but there will be seasons of fall and winter, and the Lord is present in all of it. Amen? We too have been called. We too are to count the cost, and we too have a promised land that is promised before us, a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Doesn't rest here on this earth, but on a new heaven and a new earth. And our faith journey of obedience to God in seasons of dysfunction, right? Welcome to the dysfunctional family that we see the Lord's blessing move through. In seasons of grief and doubt, adversity and struggle and even depression. To overcome it all, we are to take God's promises and place them up to our struggles, to our doubt, to our adversity. And allow the promises of God to be reaffirmed in us. To increase our faith and our obedience to him. And so like Abraham, we're to bring it to the Lord. To ask the Lord again. What is it that you said? How will I know? How can you show me? How can you reaffirm me? How can you encourage me? We can bring those requests to the Lord. And as we read scripture and read his promises, we can bring those promises against our doubts and fears and allow the Lord through his spirit to reaffirm his plan and purpose for our lives. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. Next week, we're going to continue on this story of Abraham and Sarah and eventually the promise fulfillment that God made with Abraham about having a child. And from the moment in which that promise was first made to the moment in which that promise was fulfilled through an heir was longer than we all would like. <laughs> it was 25 years. 25 years it took of obedience in faith for the Lord's promise to be fully uh, revealed and taken place. So if you this morning or feel like you've been waiting and waiting and waiting on a promise you once felt, once sensed, the Lord is saying, stay faithful in due time. Stay faithful because I will fulfill my promise to you. Heavenly Father, we are patiently waiting, patiently anticipating, sometimes days better than others, some days not so much. But Lord, our faith in you, would you increase our obedience and ability to stand firm and be consistent. Spirit, guide us, lead our steps. May we walk in your light and in your way. And as the example of Abraham, may we too if we have veered off or have chosen a way that is not glorifying you, would you draw us back in and allow us to bring our doubts and fears and questions to you? And may we heed as you reaffirm your promises to us in our lives. Amen. Let's sing together. We're going to sing this morning is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. It says this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Amen? Amen. A heavenly city. Heavenly city that we too one day, that we too are looking forward to. Amen? Amen. Well, today's message, again, we're continuing on in our series, Faith Is, and I have titled this message, Faith Is Obedience. And we are looking at the life and the example of Father Abraham. We're actually going to take two weeks to look at his life and him and Sarah specifically 
and their son Isaac, what Paul will look to next week as well. But we're going to begin with um, Abraham's call that he received from the Lord. Now, Abraham, he was an important figure in Scripture. He's an important figure in the Pentateuch, the father Abraham, right? He is the one in which the blessings that God proclaimed the covenant to Abraham and his line, the seed of Abraham in which the blessing of God is going to follow. So father Abraham, the, the patriarch, the, the, the pure example and role model for the covenant community of the faith that he exercised and the obedience that he exhibited. Now, he was originally called Abram, but for, like, my own personal sanity's sake, we're just going to call him Abraham for this morning, because if I said we're going to go through Abram, I know I would make the mistake, and so to eliminate confusion, we're all good that I'm just going to say Abraham, and we're okay with that? Yes? Wonderful. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> so Abraham, his meaning is a combination, actually, of a noun and a verb. The noun as father... And the verb is to be high or to be exalted. So the exalted father. Father Abraham. So I have this story that I need to share before we get into this scripture passage. A couple of weeks ago, my family and I, we went up to 100 Mile, just like northeast of 100 Mile for a family reunion. And we had the memorial for my grandfather. And we packed up the car here at Nanus Bay, and we live in Chilliwack, and so we actually took the drive there in a two-day trip. So we went from here to Chilliwack, grabbed all of our camping gear, because our family reunions, we do it outside and we camp. Uh, so we had to get all our camping gear, and then we took the drive from Chilliwack to just north of 100 Mile. So we have Seth, who is eight, and Simeon, who is five. And Simeon, we told him we're going camping with the Briscoe family, and we're having a family reunion, and great-grandpa, we're doing his memorial. So we told him this information. But Simeon being five and a child, they often forget, right? But he was such a good boy. Like I remember the day that we left, we packed the car and he, we tell him to pack his bag. So he just goes and he packs his little suitcase. And then we tell him to get into the car. So he just gets into the car. And as we're driving towards the ferry, he asks, are we going to Nana and Papa's house? Which was not where we're going. We're go Nana and Papa is Rebecca's parents. And so he was faithful in his packing and faithful in getting into the car and getting his shoes on and buckling up, and yet he had absolutely no idea where he was going. We took the ferry, we get to our place, and he's like, wait, why are we at our place? Completely confused where he is at at all times. So we sleep over at our place, we get the camping gear, we load the car, we say, okay, get into the car. He gets into the car. We're about an hour drive into the car. And he said, how come we're not at the ferries yet? How come we're not at Nana and Papa's yet? Well, no, no, we're not going to the ferries. We came from the ferries yesterday, which is totally different than what usually happens for us. We're usually going towards the ferries, but we're going away from it. So he's confused. We get up near 100 Mile, and he said, this doesn't look like Nana and Papa's place at all. And we're like, Simeon, we told you already. We are not going to Nana and Papa's place. But what was so funny to me in, in the you know, personal reading of Scripture and preparing for my messages my thought was, he's just like Abraham. Like, he has no clue where he is going, right? In the scripture passage, in verse 8 of chapter 11, it says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Wow. What childlike faith of Father Abraham, to listen to his father, just like Simeon, to strap on his shoes, to put on his seatbelt, to pack his bags, and to go really having no clue where he is going. And we talked a bit about this last week, where faith, faith is often a, a step, in this case, of obedience, even prior to that of a full promise or a full sign that God would give us. So often in our faith, we think, God, show us a sign. Tell me something that I need to hear. Show me your way. And if you prove yourself, then I'm going to follow. But faith is often that step of trust, that step of obedience, even without fully knowing where you're going. 
So faith is obedience is the title of my message, and my first point of the message is call. Abraham was called to go, called to go to the land that he would receive later as an inheritance, but at this time, he did not know where he was going. So in Genesis chapter 12, this is the call of Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That is a significant call, but also a vague one, <laughs> right? But also a vague one. Go to the land. Just go. Where's the destination? In due time, I will tell you. What direction? That direction. Specifically, in due time, I will tell you. Just go. And so Abraham was called to go. No direction specific. No destination specific. And Abraham obeyed and went. You know the age of Abraham at this time when God called him to go? 75 years old. <laughs> Could you imagine at 75 years old, hearing the voice of the Lord, turning to your wife Sarah, or whatever your wife's name is, or spouse's name is, and saying, so the Lord has called us to go. Well, where are we going? See, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't actually know the specific destination except this land that we are going to. This land, if you'd know the, the geography from where he is in, in the city of Ur, in the land of Haran, they're going to um, Canaan, the land of Canaan, which is about 700 kilometers away. And they're walking. They are to pick up all of their possessions, their tents, their livelihoods, their livestock, their servants. His nephew Lot joined along with them, and they began their march. And began in hope and in faith and obedience that God had called them. And they are faithful to the call that God has placed on their life. It reminds me, actually, of when Jesus called his disciples in Mark chapter 1. He sees Andrew and Peter, and then he sees the brothers, James and John, and he says to Andrew and Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Mark 1 records, it says that Andrew and Peter immediately dropped their nets and followed. Abraham, yes, he picked up his possessions and went, but there was this immediacy, this, I just have to give up what I'm doing in this moment and heed the call of God and follow him. Faith is obedience to what God is calling you to. And sometimes it's submission before we receive a sign. Sometimes it's obedience before we're given the opportunity. And here's my little rhyme for you this morning. He's not calling you to know. He's calling you to go. God called Abraham. And he calls us. And we all know when God calls us, he makes the path straight and easy, right? We know that if there is a call of God in our lives, it's simple, it's clear, it's straightforward every time, and easy, right? Mm, Nuh-uh, not at all. Not in Abraham's life and not in our life. My second point is cost. God called Abraham, but there was a cost to this call. Hebrews 11, it says, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. I, I still tent with my family. When we went to our family reunion, we still put up a tent and had a good time of the four of us in our tent. The rest of my family all have trailers. <laughs> All of them, aunts and uncles, my father, my stepmother, all of them, they have trailers. And they all said, oh, the days are done where we're camping in tents. Anybody can say amen to that, right? Those days are long past. Well, here's 75-year-old Abraham with Sarah and his nephew and their family in tents. There's a cost to it. Now, that's a, that's a fun, simple cost that I'm joking around with. But there was a true cost to the call that God placed on Abraham's life. 
It says, go from your country. Go from your people. And go from your father's household. So he left the country of Haran. He left the prosperous city of Ur. And he went to the land of Canaan. He left his people. You know those people in your life that are just your people, your community, your culture, your sense of of welcome, your sense of belonging. He left. And he also gave up his family's household, his father's household, the security that he would have, the sense of, of identity, the sense of placement. He gave up all of it to follow the call of God in his life. There's a cost to following Jesus. And I believe so many struggle in their faith today because they were not forewarned that there is a cost to following Jesus. Because there's not a cost to our obedience. Now, the gift is free, but it came at a great cost. And in our faithfulness and obedience to follow Jesus, there is a cost in our lives that we are to give up our lives, to lose our lives to find it through Jesus. So there's a cost. So they set off, and we think things are going to be easy, but they're really not for Abraham. There's some real dysfunctional family matters that take place in the story of Abraham. It's only 12 chapters in the book of Genesis. I encourage you to read through it this week because we're going to do part two next week. And immediately right after, as they set up to leave, it says Abraham obeyed and went, and they got to the land. But there was family matters that got into place. There was war and famine that took place in the land. And so on their journey, Abraham and the whole crew diverted and went south to Egypt because they were hungry and they were afraid that they were not going to be fed. So they go to Egypt. So they get to Egypt, there's more food there, but Pharaoh and his officials see Sarah that she is beautiful. And in fear, Abraham does what? He lies. He says, this is not my wife, this is my sister. Which is a half-truth, half-lie, but we're going to stick with the lie part because it's still a lie. And so he says, this is my sister. And so they take Sarah to Pharaoh, Pharaoh takes her, and then God threatens and brings down plagues on Egypt. And he's like, wait, Hold on, what's going on? And he accuses Abraham, and Abraham tells the truth. And so even in that moment, even in that moment, after the promises and the call in his life, Abraham is defending himself rather than depending on God. And he almost immediately ruins God's plan in Abraham's life. He retrieves Sarah back. God saves them. They're deported out of Egypt, and they continue on in their journey. We see later on in their journey, his nephew Lot and him, they get into a family fight, and all the herdsmen and the servants, and they're grumbling and complaining about land and livestock and produce. And so they have to come to a place of separation. Lot takes one side. Abraham takes the other side. So they separate. There's family dysfunction going on. Then there's this kind of random story, which I absolutely love, not in the sense of what took place for Lot and his family, but they got into a place of war and chaos. And so Abraham, in the middle of the night, gets some mighty men, and he goes and he saves his nephew and who they just had a feud with, and he saves him and the children and the women. And there's family dysfunction that goes on. May I take it a step further? God promised Abraham these blessings, the the noun and the verb of his name, Father Abraham. Yet at this time, he was not a father. He had no children. And this promise that they believed and held on to, but it had been, I think, about 11 years now by this time. And no fulfillment to the promise yet. And so Sarah, his wife, says, please sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. And so he did, and she had a son. And in return, Sarah became unkind and jealous and quite rude. And again, Abraham and Sarah are defending themselves rather than depending on God. Oh, the path of obedience is full of difficulty. 
of dire situations, the path of obedience is full of dysfunction and a cost. Does it sound a bit like your path at all? <laughs> like your path of obedience is like this rather than like this. Days and seasons of peace and goodness and then days and seasons of difficulty and dysfunction. This isn't the way I thought it was going to be, God. Like why is it so hard for me and it seems so simple and easy for them? Faithful obedience isn't doing everything right when everything is right. Faithful obedience is commitment in the face of questioning and adversity. Faith is obedience, but it must overcome adversity for it to be that resolute confidence. Remember at the beginning of the chapter, that that resolute confidence we talked about, faith is confidence in what we hope for, certain in what we do not see. And these are the things the ancients were commended for. I believe the ancients were commended for it because they were obedient and they fought and they were faithful even in extremely difficult circumstances. They weren't perfect, but they were faithful and obedient in extremely difficult circumstances. God called Abraham. There was a cost to that call. And then lastly, there's a covenant that God makes with Abraham. I'm going to invite the, the team back up here. Because there's times where we question God's certainty. We question his plan. We question why me? Why is my situation like this? Is this the way that you had planned it? Is it going this way because of my fault? And there's truth to that, to sin. But there's also the truth that grace is alive and well because of the sacrifice of Christ. And so we have these fears in the midst of faith. We have these doubts, this dysfunction in our time, in our journey with the Lord. And so we question God's plan. And if you've ever found yourself at a place where you've questioned God's plan, where you've questioned his purpose, why me, why this situation, why this circumstance, can I tell you, you're in great company. <laughs> you are in great company. Father Abraham, the commended ancient of faith, a covenant God made with him. And if you read specifically chapter 15 of Genesis, it's a, it's a unique chapter where this covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant established of blessing, and the seed of his line is the, is the family line that God's going to bring his blessing and eventually his son and savior into the world. It comes at an extremely dark moment for Abraham. An extremely difficult time for Abraham. Remember the promises that God made at the beginning of, of the Abraham story. It says, I will make you into a great nation. Your name will be great. You will be a blessing. People will be blessed through you. To your offspring, I give you this land. And in chapter 15, this covenant is made with Abraham. And it says, the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. It says, do not be afraid. Abraham was afraid. It says, do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abraham said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? And he questions God. God, are you certain that you actually mean what you said? What can you give me? And he says, oh, sovereign Lord, how will I know that I will gain possession of it? He asks the Lord two questions. Lord, what will you give me? Well, I've already told you what I'm going to give you. And so he doubts his promises. How will I know that I have gained possession of the land? And he comes before the Lord questioning. He comes before the Lord in doubt. And it says specifically in verse 13 of chapter 15, it says a thick, dreadful darkness came over Abraham. A thick, dreadful darkness of depression came over the ancient faith 
the one that we looked to and commended his faith and his obedience, and yet he was in this deep, dark place. And I think so often in our own lives, we think experiences we've gone through, maybe emotions that we've had, can disqualify us from God. We think we, our lack of obedience or our lack of faith can completely disqualify and nullify us from the blessings of God. Now, sin can remove us or distract us from the blessings of God. But Christ is greater than our sins. And the call that we have received from Christ in our faithful journey, not perfect, but obedient, can keep us in line with God's blessings in our life and on this earth. And so the Lord, what he does in, in Abraham's questioning is he affirms his promises, is what he does. He makes his personal covenant with Abraham and he reaffirms his promises. To your descendants, I will give this land. Amid darkness, amidst doubt and pain and struggle, God reaffirms his promises to Abraham. And it says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Church, can I tell you that we too have been called like Abraham? We too have been called to follow Jesus. We too have a cost in our discipleship and our faith journey, as did Abraham. There will be seasons. There will be seasons of spring and summer, but there will be seasons of fall and winter, and the Lord is present in all of it. Amen? We too have been called. We too are to count the cost. And we too have a promised land that is promised before us. A city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Doesn't rest here on this earth. But on a new heaven and a new earth. And our faith journey of obedience to God. In seasons of dysfunction... Right? Welcome to the dysfunctional family that we see the Lord's blessing move through. In seasons of grief and doubt, adversity and struggle and even depression. To overcome it all, we are to take God's promises and place them up to our struggles, to our doubt, to our adversity. And allow the promises of God to be reaffirmed in us. To increase our faith and our obedience to him. And so like Abraham, we're to bring it to the Lord, to ask the Lord again, what is it that you said? How will I know? How can you show me? How can you reaffirm me? How can you encourage me? We can bring those requests to the Lord. And as we read scripture and read his promises, we can bring those promises against our doubts and fears and allow the Lord through his spirit to reaffirm his plan and purpose for our lives. Amen? Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. Next week, we're going to continue on this story of Abraham and Sarah and eventually the promise fulfillment that God made with Abraham about having a child. And from the moment in which that promise was first made to the moment in which that promise was fulfilled through an heir was longer than we all would like. <laughs> it was 25 years. 25 years it took of obedience in faith for the Lord's promise to be fully uh, revealed and taken place. So if you this morning or feel like you've been waiting and waiting and waiting on a promise you once felt, once sensed, the Lord is saying, stay faithful. In due time, stay faithful because I will fulfill my promise to you. Heavenly Father, we are patiently waiting, patiently anticipating. Sometimes days better than others, some days not so much. But Lord, our faith in you, would you increase our obedience and ability to stand firm and be consistent. Spirit, guide us, lead our steps. May we walk in your light, and in your way. And as the example of Abraham, may we too 
if we have veered off or have chosen uh, a way that is not glorifying you, would you draw us back in and allow us to bring our doubts and fears and questions to you? And may we heed as you reaffirm your promises to us in our lives. Amen. Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, or download our mobile app for more content. If you're in the area, we hope to see you soon. Until next time, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you as you live by His Spirit.